0: I speak to you in the name of our one God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. Today's gospel reading is supremely unsatisfying. A rich man, probably a landowner who rents his property to tenants for payment in kind, calls his property manager for an accounting. Basically, to account for some kind of unspoken mismanagement. The manager finds out he's going to lose his job and decides to win the favor of some of the landowner's debtors by making their debts smaller. Now, this act is surely a meaningful and kind thing for the debtors to free them of this burden, and yet the manager also seems to be further mismanaging the landowner's assets, since now the landowner will receive less from these properties. The debtors, in turn, are bound by a code of honor to reciprocate later and shower the manager with goodness. At the end of the parable, the landowner does not further punish the manager for lowering the debts owed to him, but commends the manager for his shrewd dealings. Then Jesus, in a probably unrelated statement that was added on to this parable, praises those who use worldly goods to make friends. ...with those who might be the ones to shepherd us into eternal life. So, did the manager do a good thing or not? You wish that were a rhetorical question. (laughs) If God is the landowner and the manager is the steward of God's riches... ...the manager uses those riches to help others... ...yet he does so for self-serving reasons. But those self-serving reasons might indeed also have eternal rewards... It's all pretty uncertain and ambiguous, actually, which basically means it's a lot like the real world. Now, you may have found yourself in similar situations where you've been called to make an account. The IRS asks us to account for our income each year. Maybe you've been called into the principal's office or your boss's office to account for some behavior or the behavior of a child. Maybe your therapist has asked you how's it going, and really wants an answer. And each Sunday we are called to account for ourselves before God when I invite us to confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Maybe there's uncertainty and ambiguity when you sit down for one of these accountings. Maybe you don't really know how to answer the question, did you do a good thing or not? When I was in high school, at a boarding school, a friend of mine was brought before the student honor court for leaving his dormitory after hours. This was his second violation of some kind, and as part of this honor court hearing, Arturo could bring a student character witness, and he asked me to be his supporter. It was hard to say no to a friend in need, who had a real fear of being kicked out of this school. I'd known him since elementary school. I thought he had many good qualities. I I was a little afraid of how his life might turn out if he were kicked out. And frankly, I was a little flattered that this cool kid had asked me for help. After my initial presentation to the honor court and some easy questions about Arturo, I was asked, did his actions surprise you? I paused to think, and then I made a choice. I lied. Yes, I said, I am surprised. He loves the school so much, and I didn't think he would risk getting kicked out. Now, the real answer was surely more complicated. The real answer was, I don't know. I didn't know if I was surprised. I knew Arturo was a risk taker. We all did, frankly. I also knew he loved the school, and I also knew that I had agreed to help my friend, and I thought that meant keeping him at the school. And all this was complicated by my sincere belief that the institution had an interest in keeping the fabric of the community together through the enforcement of its rules. So instead of saying, I don't know, and leaning into the uncertainty and ambiguity of the situation, I lied. But it didn't matter. In the end, Arturo was kicked out and his life has gone on to be absolutely fine. In fact, better than fine. Yet, there I was, called to give an accounting of this boy's life. And in the moment, I felt uncertain and I felt the situation was ambiguous. God has entrusted all of us, like the manager, with riches, with time and talents and with skills... We have God-given ideas and relationships. We have the ability to love and serve one another. We have the ability to be merciful and compassionate, to make money and to share that money with others. Like the manager, we decide how to use these gifts from God. We decide on whom to bestow them and on whom to withhold the benefits of what God has given us. We decide which friends to defend and why. Now in our society, we've been taught to focus all these riches on building up our financial stability. Literal riches. The danger, though, is that the riches which God entrusts to us become tools of power and idols that we worship as we seek to secure our futures. Jesus uses a word that is translated as dishonest in our reading. Another translation is unrighteous. Perhaps the dishonest manager should be considered unrighteous, unrighteous manager, because he focuses on the wealth of this world. He wants to be welcomed into these homes, to the comforts and status of the world, and he manipulates something good, like forgiving the debts of others, into something unrighteous because it's for his own benefit. Later, Jesus talks about wealth as dishonest or, better, unrighteous. And what he means is that the world's wealth can become our master. And so unrighteous wealth happens when we direct all our God-given talents and skills and relationships for our purposes only, not God's purposes, so that our wealth is not seen as God's wealth, but as our own to be used the way that we want. That's what makes it unrighteous. And we are called to account for what we do with God's riches, both the figurative and the literal ones, When Jesus says, if you have not been faithful what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? When he says this, he's asking for an accounting. And what will we say? How will you account for your use or misuse of God's gifts to you? Your ability to love, forgive, and be a peacemaker. How will you account for the accumulation of financial accounts if you haven't helped others? haven't relieved their suffering or canceled their debts? How will you respond when asked about your lies, about how you've balanced your perception of the good for one person against the greater good? How will we all account for the choices that our society has made or not made to love the stranger in our midst and for the choices we've made or not made to steward God's world of which we are just simply the managers? On some points, yes, we will have loved and served God well. On other points, we will be accused of mismanagement and of squandering that which is not ours but God's. And sometimes we will have to live into the ambiguity and uncertainty of our lives and say, I don't know. And maybe that's the hardest position to be in of all. Fortunately, this is not our answer for all time. To be unrighteous is ultimately to have a broken relationship with God. The dishonest or unrighteous manager, whether in the parable or we ourselves, fundamentally is distant from God. So when we do our accounting and we recognize where we have misused God's gifts or we say, I don't know, when faced with some moral question, we need to recognize that our relationship with God is broken in some way that has led us to that point. And so that is where we should focus. If we put our relationship with God in Christ first, we can learn to use our gifts for God's purposes, not just our own. We can learn to wrestle with and find answers in the ambiguity and uncertainty of our lives. We can learn to say no to the trappings and tauntings of this age And to say yes to loving God and using God's riches to serve God and others. As Jesus tells us, we cannot say yes to both. And our opening prayer reminds us why. We call the opening prayer a collect. That means it's to collect us as we begin our service. And what we said is this. Grant us even now while we are placed among things that are passing away to hold fast to that which shall endure for the present day and its temptations will pass away. And yet our relationship with God in Christ will endure to love and serve God now means to seek to improve our relationship with God through prayer, study, worship community with other Christians and helping others. And it means to bring our accounting to God over and over and over again, until we learn to act wisely with God's riches bestowed on us, looking forward to our eternal homes with clarity and courage, amen.